Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blimson. The EU is looking at ways of safeguarding against cybersecurity risks from the purchase of high-tech equipment made in China. Huawei, a leading Chinese manufacturer of 5G technology, has attracted special attention because of its growing dominance in the telecom sector. Madimita Merger discusses Europe's concerns and what it can do about the problem with Michael Peel, Brussels diplomatic editor, and Alan Libsey, Lex columnist. Hi, Michael. I was wondering, what are EU officials telling you at the moment about why they're worried? Well, there's a general concern from the US to Japan, including Australia and New Zealand, about the growing role of Huawei and Chinese technology companies. And the question that's being asked in Brussels is that there needs to be a balance here between officials stressing that, you know, there's not going to be a knee-jerk or an unfair reaction against Chinese companies just because they're Chinese, but at the same time, there are valid security questions to be asked and European countries need to be looking at those and perhaps putting in place safeguards as they see fit. And this question has got particular urgency now because of the 5G mobile spectrum auctions that are taking place across Europe and Huawei is one of the leading suppliers of 5G equipment. Why in particular is 5G a major cybersecurity concern? The particular point about 5G is that the technology could be used in all kinds of civic functions such as managing train timetables, managing traffic flows and also in everyday devices through the so-called Internet of Things. In other words, it will reach very deeply into many aspects of everyday life. And officials here recognise that this is one of the difficulties that they don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. As one official put it, children's toys are not nuclear reactors. In other words, there is this whole potential wide range of uses, some of which are fairly uncontroversial and inconsequential, but some of which do have very serious security elements to them. So is there any actual evidence that Chinese technology companies have used any of their equipment for theft or spying or have been directed by the Chinese government to do so? In other words, do we have reason to be worried? There are no specific cases involving Huawei that people have been publicising and of course the company itself very strongly denies that it works with the Chinese security services. But obviously the questions that are being asked here relate to both the background of Huawei and the connections of the founder to the People's Liberation Army in China and also other incidents such as just before Christmas a US cyber security company revealed what it said was a long-lasting and very wide-ranging hack of EU diplomatic cables by a group linked to the People's Liberation Army and the claim was that they'd got in this hacking group through the Cypriot Foreign Ministry and from there had access to all kinds of EU diplomatic communications. Now from what has been publicised it was more sort of embarrassing that it came out but it did highlight the security concerns that very much hover over the EU's data networks and it also highlighted the point that you have this network of at the moment 28 countries which is really only as strong as its weakest link. Turning to Alan, Alan, how widespread is the use of Chinese technology in European telecoms companies today? I think it's pretty widespread. If you think that Huawei and later ZTE, the rival to Huawei in China, have been blocked from entering the U.S. market, which is a very, very large market, they really only had a couple places to grow. One of those places was Europe. 
And I can see that market share globally for Huawei has gone up primarily because they've moved into Europe and into Asia Pacific as well. Now, the next question to ask, I think, is really, what is it going to cost to undo the ties that they've built up, particularly someone like BT Group in the UK? We estimate, or according to Macquarie's estimates, I would say, probably it could cost them around a billion pounds to undo this. That will take place over a couple of years. Okay, so what specifically would the unraveling involve? It will probably mean changing equipment. In some cases, they would probably be upgrading over time. So it's a process, and it will require you know, a number of years anyway. As you swap over equipment, maybe you change suppliers, but it still slows things down. You now have to go get other suppliers. You may have dropped some of your old suppliers in the past, like Ericsson of Sweden or Nokia of Finland, for Huawei, now you have to go and get those relationships back. So it's a win for probably Ericsson and Nokia, and uh, it's harder times for Huawei. Coming back to you, Michael, the U.S. has blocked Huawei from entering the U.S. market on national security grounds. Do you think Europe is gearing up to do the same thing? I think that would be something that would be quite hard to achieve at a European level, even if there was general agreement, which there certainly isn't at the moment, that that was a good thing because of the competence that national governments have on national security and the autonomy they have on that. And of course, the financial element is that they want the freedom to run these very lucrative 5G mobile spectrum auctions in any way they like. And that means getting as many bidders and as many combinations as possible. They don't want to start for commercial reasons, excluding people if they don't have to. Having said that, there's a lot of pressure coming from the US and also from some other countries to say that Europe needs to wake up a bit on this. And certainly there's evidence that in some countries like Germany, for example, there is now more scepticism, more caution about engaging with Chinese business in sensitive fields such as robotics than there was a few years ago. So certainly more questions are being asked. Whether that ends up in strong pan-EU action, the prospect of that is still quite distant. Are there any alternative actions that EU officials are contemplating at the moment? Well, there are two things here. First of all, the thinking here is still at a pretty early stage, and one might question whether the Europeans in general are waking up a little bit late to this. But there's a bigger question, too, about the competence of the EU institutionally to act on this, as opposed to national governments, which, of course, have a large degree of autonomy over national security and indeed over the running of auctions of 5G spectrum. And, of course, one of the concerns here is that there's a kind of jigsaw effect that everybody runs a 5G auction and they'll go for the best deal. And Huawei, as indeed even critics acknowledge, does do a pretty good kit at a pretty good price, as one Western diplomat put it ends up supplying the equipment for a lot of the winners of these auctions. And so you have this situation where each country is making its own individual decision. But the end result is that Huawei or indeed another Chinese technology company is ending up with a very dominant position in the market. And that's the thing that people here are wrestling with a bit. How do you stop that happening when the running of these auctions is the competence of national governments? And I think 
the thinking at the moment is that it's got to be a question perhaps of more trying to collate data on who's winning what where what, what kind of contract and then secondly on best practice looking at what different countries in Europe and outside are doing what kind of security safeguards what kind of vetting what kind of monitoring some countries have put in place on Huawei and other companies and trying to learn from that and to set best practices. Alan, you briefly talked about the impact on European companies like Ericsson and Nokia. What do you think could happen if Huawei wasn't allowed to operate in the same way? You know, what could be the impact on those companies? Well, I, I guess they would see more business. <laughs> Their market shares, as I said, had gone down and they would improve from here. If I could just slightly digress, the policymakers, at least outside the US, they have encouraged the telecoms companies to hurry up and invest in both their broadband and their mobile strategies over time to get more penetration, hurry up, hurry up. And I think they've tried to do that, and they've been rational actors, and they've picked equipment that is effectively subsidized by the Chinese government, we think. So it's been perfectly good equipment and at a good price. So they bought it. Now they're telling them, don't do that. Undo it, take it all out but hurry up and get that network built out, get 5G going. So there are conflicting policy statements, I think, coming out, on top of what Michael said. And do we know how Chinese officials and company executives, particularly Huawei, for example, have reacted to this news? Well, Huawei itself denies that it's acting under the orders or sharing information with the Chinese intelligence services. It says it's working as a private company and should be considered as any other private company is in the work that it does. And I think Chinese officials themselves, publicly the foreign ministry, has attacked the hostility that's been shown by some Western governments to Huawei, saying that it's unjustified, and again making a similar argument that this is Chinese companies being singled out in a way that Western companies aren't. And I think that there's also perhaps sort of in private a feeling on the Chinese side that the business case will win through. And so I think that they are perhaps optimistic that that will be the trump card in the end. Now, of course, there are voices in the security apparatus of Western countries which are much more hawkish than that. And really the tussle will be between those interests and the kind of business case that Huawei is laying out now. Thank you very much. That was Maddie Meter Merger talking to Michael Peel and Alan Lidsey. We'll be back with another news feature next week. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com slash offer. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.